0: Hello friends and welcome to episode 536 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Rachel. Rachel is a therapist. She's also the mother of a few children, one of whom has type 1 diabetes and is a twin. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. There's no better day than today to start with the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes. They begin at episode 210 and are also available at juiceboxpodcast.com and diabetesprotip.com. Are you newly diagnosed or don't understand some of the terms that you're hearing on the podcast? Check out the Defining Diabetes series, also available at juiceboxpodcast.com and in your podcast player. I also have episodes about algorithm-based pumping and after dark topics. Check them out. Go go visit the website, juiceboxpodcast.com. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Check them out at touchedbytype1.org. When you get there, you're going to find a wonderful organization whose mission is to elevate awareness of type 1 diabetes, raise funds to find a cure, and inspire those with diabetes to thrive. Touchedbytype1.org. The episode is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You can learn more at Contour Next dot com forward slash juicebox i want to tell you that um this is my first time using a different computer setup so i have okay. i have a high level of concern at the moment <laughs> okay. um, I was about to ask you if uh I was about to say something like, you know, when you've done something a million times, but you're still not sure if it's going to be okay. And like, why would I say that to somebody who has diabetes or even understands <laughs> yeah. diabetes? No,
1: way? I've never felt that way. No, you've never felt, totally felt like that unfamiliar. at all? Yeah. I was like, would yeah. hmm. be a silly
0: question <laughs> to ask. <wouldn't> <laughs> Have you ever felt? <laughs> but anyway, um, it seems like it's working. Which okay. is really cool. I'm going to take a split second to check your voice on the recording. So that's
1: I'll... fine. I also have like a mic, like an actual mic that I could set up. Do you want me to do that?
0: You sound really good.
1: Okay. If I sound good, then I will not mess with technology on my end either. Cause yeah, like,
0: we'll just make it worse or it'll, or it'll sound better and, but it'll take 20 minutes and it won't end up exactly.
1: Now. No, I don't trust that if I hook up this mic that like I won't have to like download drivers and whatever. Okay. So
0: yeah, let me just give me a half. I'll, I'll be here, but. You sound okay. great. This is recording. I win. Um, great. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I um, So you're the first person to benefit from this. Let me tell you about this. It's kind of interesting. So um, I uh, share about the T1D Exchange on the podcast, mm-hmm. which is a, an organization that I think does really cool stuff. And they have a difficult time, as everyone does, getting someone to follow through on, you know, filling out a survey. So it's yes. all it is, is a survey. So every time... I think some- I've
1: done it. I'm almost positive that I have done it.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, because every time <laughs> someone uses my link for the survey, I make some money. Oh, right? nice. good, yeah, it's lovely. It's t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. I just realized I'm leaving this part in the episode. But anyway, I was able to use the money I made recently to buy a dedicated computer to record the show on. So that was really cool because it. I've been doing the whole thing on one computer and it, the hard drive fills up and then the computer slows down and it gets difficult. So this is a big deal and and I appreciate everybody who filled out the survey at the T1D Exchange. And uh, this is what you get. I'm so
1: honored that I get to be the first person on this computer.
0: You are the first one. Exactly right. (laughs) Um, Why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll start talking.
1: Yeah, I'm Rachel Gibson and I'm a a clinical social worker that works in private practice and a mom of um, a kid with T1D. And um, we are about a year and a half into our diabetes uh, journey. Ugh, I hate that I said journey. I really don't like that, but it came out. I also have uh, two other kids. So my my type one diabetic kid is a twin. So I've got uh, a non diabetic twin, and then an older kid who um, older one is ten, and the twins are eight.
0: No, wow, very nice. Did you just not want to say journey because it sounded so kind of like?
1: Yeah, calendar. I don't like when therapists say journey. <laughs> it's like when we call messed up situations opportunities these are just things that i try to avoid as a therapist
0: (laughs) so yes a car fell on your house then your house fell on you but this is just an opportunity for you to dig deep like shut up
1: (laughs) what an amazing growth opportunity you've just been presented with on your journey (laughs)
0: you think think people say that because what else are you going to say other than wow Totally bad luck that your car and your house fell on you. That really sucks.
1: That's what I say as a therapist. I'm like, that sucks. Yeah. I got, I have no upside.
0: (laughs) There's a number of times while recording the show that I just say that because it seems like the most honest response.
1: It's the most validating too. I mean, why would you, I don't, I am a big proponent of not trying to move too quickly to any sort of meaning or bright side or positivity like that will happen naturally mm-hmm. from the person, but if it's externally applied, like if I, as an outside person come in and say, but at least, you know, you're, at least you, you know, didn't get, uh, you know, you didn't break any bones. You just got a life altering brain injury. That's incredibly invalidating and frustrating. And now you're not allowed to have any negative feelings. You know, I, which
0: yeah, I, I have to tell you that I completely agree. And I've, If you've listened through this whole podcast, which by the way, it's, you're probably recording what'll end up being like episode 570 or something like that, but I'm up to 500 ish now out. And I genuinely believe that you can't say to somebody, well, at least it wasn't this because it kind of, although it's a very real response, like I've had the thought myself
1: caring response.
0: Yeah. But it doesn't. But it, it 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 can do under the surface what you just said, which is kind of minimize what diabetes mm-hmm. is, right? Yes. And diabetes is hard, and and everyone's experience with anything. Well, wow, this is going to sound new agey, but everyone's experience with everything is theirs, and you can't yes. judge it or rate it or put it into a category. Like it is what it is. If the worst thing that's ever happened to you is diabetes, well, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you
1: yeah. And it can still suck. I mean, the thing is that there will always be people who are suffering more and suffering less and there's no fairness. I mean, that's my, I, I, I think people could have an argument with me, but my feeling is, you know, it's, it, there's not fairness or justice about the individual struggles that we each have. It just happens. And when you're the one struggling, it always sucks. And I don't find it very helpful nor do I recommend it to other people to compare yourself to people who might be suffering more because you can have empathy for them and recognize the, the depth of their suffering, but that doesn't make your suffering feel any better. At least to me, it's like, no, everyone has their own suffering. I think it's, I find it more helpful to sort of join in the human experience of suffering and recognize that we're all doing the best we can. And sometimes it's helpful to just, be with others who are feeling like life is hard as well.
0: Yeah. Do you think that it's fairly common and maybe even normal for people to do that though, to seek out someone who's in their eyes not doing as well as they are so that it makes them feel like they're succeeding?
1: I mean, I I, sure. I I think it's, you know, comparing yourself to other people is very, very human. And like, it's also very human to, you know, recognize that it feels good when you're coming out on top of that comparison. Yeah. And it's okay for that. I mean, I, my, you know, therapeutic philosophy is it's, it's good to notice all of the thoughts and feelings that you're having, including ones that you don't necessarily like, um, you know, and then, you know, f- feeling open to all thoughts and feelings that come with it. So my, you know, if I were in therapist mode, my next question would be, well, what is going on for you that you need to help yourself feel better? Like, why, why do you need that comparison for you to feel better? What is that giving you? And what are you not getting that makes you need that extra validation? You know, like there's always more to it that I think it's good to be curious about.
0: Why aren't you enough?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Interesting. All right, Rachel, listen, I did my best digging on my end. I can't figure Uh out how, why we booked you on the show. So can you just tell me?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was um, to lean into like this mental health side and um, a little bit of siblings experience with type one in that I've got this interesting situation with a twin. So we've got these like little justice like they want everything equal, and then one gets diabetes, and that equality gets blown out of the blown out of the water. So that was one of the things that we had talked about in terms of leaning into the mental health aspect of type one, along with sibling dynamics. Cool. All
0: right. Well, I. How does that sound? I, Are I, you happy you booked me? Yeah. Oh no, I'm. I am. <laughs> I, trust me. In the moment, I was like, this is the right thing to do. I just really am by myself over here, so... I
1: totally get it. Yeah, yeah.
0: It would be nice if I could send an email to someone and be like, hi, Rachel's coming on this morning. Just remind me what we're doing again, and then someone would... But I looked at my notes, and I I actually changed one of the intake questions so that I could see it more easily, but you uh, signed up before that could happen. So anyway, (laughs) and I'm not embarrassed. I really am not. Like, if, if I recorded one of these a month and I couldn't remember, then I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot, but... <laughs> you're the well, third one I've done this week so far, so
1: that's yeah, that's wild, and I'm more than happy to cool. tell you why I'm here.
0: <laughs> so, um, how long ago was was the diagnosis?
1: The diagnosis was in January of 2020, so oh it's been about a year and a half.
0: Okay, all right, that's pretty soon. And you're saying that, so digging into the the idea of twins, are they? I don't. I imagine this doesn't matter, but are they a fraternal or are they identical?
1: Um, a boy, girl. So fraternal.
0: Definitely not identical then. I see what you're saying. (laughs) See, if you would have said it's a boy and a girl, I could have made that decision on my own. But not a
1: lot of, but I get asked that a lot though. You would be surprised.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, so that I'm very proud to say I could have figured that out. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Um, so there's this kind of feeling like this happens with siblings to begin with. Like I have a, right now a 21 year old and an almost 17 year old and they both I think, always have an underlying feeling that the other one's being treated better or more fairly or differently. Yep. And, and it's impossible for them to see that they're they're individuals and mm-hmm. that they, they all don't have the exact same situations. They don't need the same responses. Um, they have different, you know, ways of thinking. And so we parent them differently, you know, accordingly. But when they're twins, does that ramp it up?
1: It ramps it up, so we, you know, we have the twins and we have an older, so we kind of have this kind com- this comparison. All kids are like the equality police, so that's it's a it's a pretty universal parenting experience. But for me, and you know, when I've talked to other um, multiples moms, it does get it's more intense between them, and they really monitor the equality of each other more than they monitor it with the older kid. Hmm. I think it partly because they, you know, being the same age, they should have the exact same privileges, the exact same, you know, time, special time spent with parents and they, they keep track of everything.
0: Yeah. It's a, do you see it? I mean, this is not for you, for your kids or you even professionally, but isn't it weird when you see it with adults? When they're in their 30s and their 40s and they're like, mom likes him better. And you're like, oh, my God, like, let it go. Let it
1: go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Time to move on.
0: What is, what is this about exactly? Like, why yeah. are you, Like, you're raising your own children now. You're still worried that your sister gets a bigger piece <laughs> of turkey on Thanksgiving? Like, calm down. Your dad liked- I know. You know? But
1: what I'll say with empathy is I, you know, a lot of people snap back into their childhood stuff when they're with their family of origin. Like it's pretty funny to see like when you, you know, when you're watching a family of adult children and all of a sudden you're seeing the sibling dynamics play out as if they were younger. It's it's pretty funny. Humans are funny.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Do you think <laughs> do you think it's important? All right. So here's an interesting question. If I if it if it was an absolute and you could only do one or the other, would you say that adults going back to visit with family in a big setting like that should definitely happen or never happen if you had to pick one.
1: Are you asking me if adults should go like spend time with their family? Yeah,
0: like with you know, like you know how a lion just walks away from its cubs at one point. It's like that's it. See you guys. No,
1: I think I would definitely say let's continue the relationships and yeah.
0: Right. So there's nothing like harmful that comes from it. It's just really funny to watch everybody turn back into like eight, five, yes. and nine. I, it's
1: it's a mute for 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 a relatively healthy family. It's pretty amusing.
0: It <laughs> kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can actually still hear my my wife talk about like they wouldn't watch the TV show I watched or like something or you know my parents didn't like my gymnastics but they liked my sister's soccer.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to give specifics Go because. Ahead they might listen to it, but yeah, this, I can see it happen with my husband's. You can never see it with your own family, you know, because like you're in it. So you don't know what you're yeah. doing, but I see it when my, when we go back to my husband's family and all the kids are there. It's, it's just really funny, but you can, yeah, I'm, again, um, I'm not going to give specifics,
0: but yeah, yeah no, it's, I it's amusing. You get your husband's family's a mess. I hear what you're saying now. So yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, what I was going to say for real is, That one of the kind of joys of being married, once you can get over feeling like someone's picking on your family, is you finally get an outside perspective from someone you trust.
1: It is so true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, but in the beginning, when I was younger, I'd be like, why is she like, 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 why does she see them like that? You know what I mean? Like, I've written them all a pass in my head, I guess, for the things that...
1: Well, you're used to what you're used to, you know?
0: Yeah. Super interesting. Okay. All right. (laughs) So these kids... All right. I guess we should find out real quick. Like, how was the how was your child diagnosed? What was it like? DKA or you just saw? Pain?
1: No, it was actually. It was. We were. I feel really fortunate. We never hit DKA. It was wetting the bed for like a week. We just saw weird stuff. Um, she was wetting the bed. She was drinking like a fish. Just, it just sort of strange. And I, I had Googled, so I, I knew that this could be diabetes, but I also just assumed that I was being, um, kind of paranoid and jumping to the worst case scenario. But that being said, after one night where she had wet the bed twice and, you know, she hadn't been wetting the bed for years, I went to the doctor with her and I was like, you know what, I I'm sure that I'm being ridiculous, but can we just check this out? And they were like, yeah, I I also am sure that you're being ridiculous, but let's do this. And we got sent straight to the ER and her blood sugars were at, Um, I think eight, like over 800, 900, somewhere in there.
0: Wow. That's pretty high.
1: Pretty high, but she was happy as could be. And I mean, luckily we, you know, we didn't have any major medical complications. We just stayed in the hospital, getting her blood sugars down and, you know, getting the crash course and what to do.
0: Wow. Hey, you want to hear something interesting? That's completely off topic. Yes. Fish don't actually drink water down through their mouth but obviously they need water like all living things need to live they generally absorb it through their skin it's called osmosis same way hormones and nutrients are absorbed into our blood
1: Sorry. as I said that phrase I was like what a dumb phrase <laughs> but I decided not to interrupt myself
0: to well me. no no I as you but said it i, I thought, had the
1: same thought actually as it came out of my mouth I was like let's what a weird phrase (laughs) anyway
0: (laughs) (laughs) because i was like i think she made that up i'm not certain i have to look
1: i think it's a phrase but i could be wrong it could be that i like made it up or like kind of like ricky ricardo'd some sort of like common phrase and put it together with another one i don't know i'm sure your viewers can tell us
0: i've heard a fish (laughs) to water
1: Mm, that's a different
0: phrase yeah but it has nothing to do with actually being thirsty
1: yeah, no, that's that's like when you just pick something up really easily.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, no, I know. We should go through all the things that have the word fish in it.
1: <laughs> I could keep going. I've I've got like the feminists like you know need men like fish need a bicycle. So I mean we could keep going with this, but we should probably refocus.
0: <laughs> yeah, we should. But I I don't I'm not, like a fish needs a bicycle. Oh, I get that. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, that's probably they true. don't. Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> listen, you're not divorced, right? <laughs> no, <I'm> not. <laughs> poor husband. He's just, what is he just like a, it's like a no, ornamental uh, vase, right? At it's this point. just a
1: yeah. classic feminist I, quote I, I that I did I. have on my wall during college. Oh, honestly. I'm sure
0: that just drew all the boys in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I went to a women's college. I was not about drawing in the boys. <laughs> oh,
0: that's great. That's wonderful. Okay. So, uh, you get the diagnosis. It's only a, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Do you leave with any kind of technology?
1: No. Uh, and i had to just ignore everybody to get the technology because they the doctors were saying we probably wouldn't get a dexcom until i mean like 6 months and probably not a pump for a year and i w- i asked why and they were like well you know um insurance they like to make sure that everything's stable first and i just basically i just thought that was so stupid and so i i just independently uh, got everyone's approval and then like made it happen. Yeah. I just ignored that. So we had a DEXCOM about two months in, I want to say, and then a pump about like four or five months in.
0: Hmm. I believe that all of that is bull. That, yeah. Yeah. The times and, and, you know, it has it's to be w- this long. You have to have this number. I think if you have insurance, you can push it through if your insurance covers it. You just have to... That's
1: what I did. I just said, like, I basically just called the insurance and said, hey, the doctor wants a com and a pump. How do we do it? (laughs) Exactly. And then I called the doctor and I said, the insurance is willing to cover it. How do we do it? (laughs) And I...
0: It's like a, you set it up like an old-timey movie. You were like, "I'll just do a little misdirection over here." And, yeah, I'll yeah. just
1: say everyone approves and make them talk, and then and it works. So this. I feel great about it. I
0: feel like you took a towel, huddled over the phone. You are like, "Hello, this is Rachel's <laughs> doctor for her daughter. Uh, Rachel can't come to school today. She's sick. Goodbye." Uh, <laughs> yes, it was classic misdirection, and Brilliant. and
1: I recommend everybody do it because. Cause it was stupid. Like why, why would we not get a Dexcom especially? I mean, that's just, yeah. it, you know, it's just, it's wonderful technology they, and we should leave the hospital with it.
0: I once called Arden's my insurance company like six days in a row. And finally yeah. on the sixth day you could hear in the person's voice, they were like, I am going to spend all day today, making sure this happens so that you do not call <laughs> back tomorrow. I,
1: like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get it done.
0: Yeah. I actually used the phrase, listen, I'm a stay at home dad. I have very little else to do. <laughs> I'm gonna stay I focused. love it. Yeah. I love the threat of just being a nuisance. Yeah. I'm going to stay focused on this just so you know. <laughs> great, Perfect. Excellent. So you don't get home with anything particular. Was it a surprise? Is there any other type one in the family or other autoimmune?
1: It was definitely a surprise. We, uh, My maternal grandfather was diagnosed with type one very late in life. So like in his 50s or 60s, yeah. he was diagnosed. So, you know, I had that exposure, but it really never, that's the only person with type one that we can identify and we can't really identify much of an autoimmune. So it was definitely a surprise. That was not, you know, of all the things that you worry about as a parent, type one was not really on my radar.
0: How about that? That's cool. Um, interesting to hear because everyone has, I think it's all kind of you know, everybody thinks there's a rule once they see something, you know, they don't think of it as maybe just random. But, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, there's type one in your family, if your maternal grandfather had it. That's, yeah, That's that. Um yeah. But you know, I interviewed somebody recently who was diagnosed at like, seven, and so was their father. And you could see mm-hmm. how at, when I was talking to her, I was like, tell me the truth. When your kid was like seven years old, were you just staring thinking like, this is it? you know what I mean? It's going to happen wow. right now. Or, or like when yeah. your father dies of a heart attack at an age and people have that you very keep that common. age
1: in your mind. Yeah.
0: Like oh, yeah. this is what I'm going to live to. You know, that's all yeah. sort of, I mean, meaningless, right?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's just, we carry it with us, yeah. but in terms of, I mean, I, I think the mistake that we make that we can often make is that it making it fact. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, cause what those are, those are feelings. Those are fears. Those are, like milestones, but they're not, I don't, it doesn't actually make anything happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, but it, it can feel predictive almost.
0: So tell me what you do for a living. Therapist. And you do um, a private practice or have yeah, you-
1: private practice. And I, um, kind of, I work with I, my specialties are millennials and families. And then specifically I work with a lot of gender expansive kids. So kids that are, um, exploring gender or transgender.
0: I have to ask, why is millennials a category?
1: I just love them. Okay, I'm an old millennial. So I was born in 82. So I'm like the oldest millennial that you can be. And millennials are so much fun in therapy because they tend to see it more as an ongoing practice, like going to the gym and getting regular checkups, which just leads to... A depth and um, like a an exploration that is just sort of fun as a therapist. Okay. I just really enjoy that population.
0: It's not like that timeline has like a real like leather fetish or something like that. They didn't have something specific. It was no gotcha. Just, just the <laughs> way they see the process. I well, I can understand that. That would be I, I would think more fulfilling for you.
1: Yeah, it's it's really just sort of like they're fun. They they tend to be very like long-term committed to mental health and that's it's fun to work with people who really care about um self-improvement and learning about themselves as a practice of general health. Well, it's it, it's just fun.
0: So you're saying to other therapists if you've got bills you want to get those. You want to definitely Oh, get
1: no, those <laughs> millennials do not make enough money to be <laughs> money makers. <laughs> They're, they are not the cash cow here. No, <laughs> they're very,
0: very, uh, very dialed into the process. But uh, I'm chasing them around for five dollars constantly. Scott. Yeah,
1: no, it, it's that's that's one of the things they're stressed about. So yeah, no, they're definitely not the money makers, but they are very committed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> committed and broke. Ta-da! Yep. Uh, well,
1: Millennials in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's interesting. And so they came up in a time where they got overeducated, and there's not work to. Yep. Yeah, I see. Yep.
1: and also kind of promised this like prosperity that isn't really available. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of tough.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that too. Where that feeling of just go to college and things will be okay. Yep, exactly. Turn, turned into a vibe when the truth is always going to be that the early bird gets the worm. Like, yeah, that's, you you got to go out there and fight a little harder, try a little more, do do extra. Um, and if you're not willing to do that, the ascension's probably not there, unless you dumb luck into something. Um, but that yeah, doesn't make and, it.
1: But I'll also say that the I would say that even with hard like that is true. You do need those things, yeah. and you can do those things and still not get you know get anywhere. And so that's what's tough is that just trying to figure out. It tends to be that like other gener older generations say, you know, hey, hit the pavement get, get out there. And that's not been the experience for a lot of millennials is like, no, but I did that. And I'm still struggling. I'm still in like an entry level job, you know? So anyway, that's, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a complicated, like transitional generation.
0: Right. I wonder if the older people who say just work hard and it works out, um, they had such lower expectations, right? Like (laughs) they just wanted a house. Yeah. Yeah. They they weren't looking to be fulfilled. They didn't have any expectation of what like.
1: I think that's that is definitely there is a a big aspect of that. But yeah. even like having a house now, I'm in L.A., so having a house is like having a house here is kind of it's a lot. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but like even sort of more humble dreams, like you know, owning a home that you can afford with a full time job is not always in reach for some of the younger generations. I mm. mean things have changed a lot. And just the amount of debt that you acquire going to college is really different from previous generations.
0: Oh, no, it's so, crazy. No, it's insane. Yeah. It really is. Um, okay. So how does your profession lend itself to parenting or does it not help as much as you might think?
1: Oh, it helps far less than I wish were true. Okay. Um, my husband will often. I mean, I literally teach parenting classes, and my husband will look at me sometimes and say, "Like, aren't you an expert in this?" And I'll be like, "I don't know what to do." Um, if you can,
0: no, I'm just yeah. kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it never translates well to your own life. But I think what it does do is I have the ability to kind of like recognize two different answers. Like, my the answer that I'm doing that's probably good enough, but not great, and then the more ideal answer that I can strive for.
0: Mm. And
1: that can definitely help when I feel really stuck with parenting.
0: Is that then the disconnect is the, between knowing what to do and not being so emotional that you can't get to it?
1: I mean, that's the disconnect for everybody, right? Mm. Like we, most of us know what we're supposed to do. Like, hey, stop yelling at your kids. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's, Surprisingly hard to stop <laughs> yelling at your kids when they're driving you crazy.
0: Yeah. Why do I have to give Rachel my $40 copay when I know I shouldn't be doing this? But the answer yeah. is that I can't, you can't stop yourself for some reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Interesting. Do most people want to be better? Or yeah. go, go, I, these are bad words, but I don't have a good <laughs> word for it. Like, do most people want to be good people? Or are there some people who you just meet that are like, or does that become a mental illness? Like that. You know,
1: I, I think that's, I think there's a, that's a complicated question. Mm. I actually think that mo I mean, at least, you know, my clients and the people in my life, I think that they are good people um, and want to be better people and want to keep that in mind. Um, so I, I I do think that there's like an inherent goodness with certain exceptions to most people. And I think that often the work that people do on themselves, they've, put off for a long time because they think it's not that important or that it's more important to focus on others. But it's, it turns into that kind of like put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And I I mean, I think that's definitely true. in when you get a serious diagnosis, like Mm. diabetes in your family, it's like, you do have to take care of yourself, deal with your own stuff, because you've got a marathon in front of you and you, you, you have to be available and present in order to, you know, run the marathon.
0: What about our wiring? Like, do you think about that when you're talking to people? Like I, from my perspective, I've been alive a while. I pay attention to things that are going around, you know, with myself and my family and people that I meet. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're young, that desire to protect everybody, provide for everybody is so overwhelming, and to make babies, like I know we think mm-hmm. of it differently, like it's our sexuality, or I want to be like you know, but really, like you are just like I have got to eat and have sex, like that's mm-hmm. kind of you don't think it, but you know what I mean, like it's your drive, and and for you know very maternal women, it could very easily just be like I need to have a baby. Now I have a baby, I need to take care of this baby. Like nothing can, like I joke about, like my son was born. And I just became my wife and my son's assistant. Like, she, you know, <laughs> yeah. she was like, she was like, oh, it's here. Go stand in the corner till we need something. You, you know, like, it, it wasn't like that, but it, it could feel like that to me. And then I'm just like, no, desire me so that we can mm-hmm. make more babies. Like, it <laughs> right. was a real, like, crazy. It's People should not have children. But yet it's fascinating to watch it happen, right? <laughs> but yeah. But now we're trying to, as time moves forward and people get more thoughtful... And are paying more attention. And I think we get to pay more attention because life is getting, you know, grand scheme of things easier, right? Like yeah. I, don't, I don't have to go chip a boulder away to get to a cave All anymore. Away. I got more free time so I can yep. think about things. Um, and then you're fighting against your instincts. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's. I find the whole thing fascinating. Even with like the kids, like, mm-hmm. like, look at me, don't look at that one. That one got more than me. Don't do this. Like, that's gotta be something primal. Like, look, some of us are going to die. I don't want it to be me. Pay attention to me.
1: Mm -hmm. No, I do think that there's a lot that's primal and a lot of how, a lot of it is how we're wired. And, and I think it's, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily good to work against that. I think you notice it. You sometimes you recognize the ways that it's still helping you. Like when, you know, when my daughter was diagnosed, I didn't need sleep or food. Like, I mean, I needed, you know, enough of those things to keep going, but I might, it's like I don't remember having needs during that period. And that's fine. Like that's survival. That's your instincts kick in and you're trying to protect like your cub. And I think there are some ways that it's really, really helpful. And then ways that it, the wiring goes wrong when you are, you know, like anxiety is sort of that wiring going wrong because now you're worrying about things that are not life and death, but your brain is interpreting as life and death because mm-hmm. our life is so much easier logistically now. So yeah, I think that the wiring is really, it's, it is really fascinating and, yeah. um, and understanding it can be really helpful so that you, you know, you know, when to go with it and when it's really helping you and when you might need to, uh, you know, introduce another, Storyline, rather than just the, the the hard wiring that we come with.
0: Yeah, I cannot have fifty kids with fourteen different women. Like, I no,
1: I, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah,
0: yeah, no. But <laughs> but there's somebody out there walking around right now. Is like, yeah, I'm gonna move on, make some more babies. You know, like yeah. that that kind of feeling. It's just, I, I don't want this to be morbid, and I certainly think we're a hundred years past it, so it's not. But a uh, hundred years or so ago, my daughter isn't alive anymore. Yeah. You know, either is yours and yep. you would have had this short, painful experience with a bad illness and they would just be gone. Yeah. And and it would have been so for many, many, many. My wife had a bad, bad ear infection when she was a child. I genuinely don't think she would have lived. Yeah. You know, that that kind of stuff. It's I a different
1: have, relationship with life and death.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. My appendix went, uh, yep. uh, I don't know, gosh, it's got to be like 18, 19 years ago now. I mean... Prior to medical intervention, that would have got me. Yeah, like, that could have been it. Really crazy, you know, like it that is. kind of to to really wrap your head around that sort of thing. Okay, so I'm f- sorry I found you interesting and now we're a half an hour into this. Although, <laughs> can you imagine if you weren't interesting, nobody would be along <laughs> listening anymore. So it doesn't matter. It's really a, it's a give and take. They might
1: not anyway. We'll see.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I pride (laughs) myself
1: meaning I don't know how interesting I am
0: it doesn't matter if you're interesting I can make you interesting but you happen to be interesting so this is easy for me (laughs) so your kid has the diabetes the other kid right away what are they what are you seeing like with both of them the older child and the twin is there an immediate feeling of oh they're paying more attention to her than us When you buy a new television, a new car, a sofa, a mixer, you think, I want to get the best one that I can afford. But when someone told you you needed a blood glucose meter, you just took the one they gave you. It's okay, happens to everybody. But you're in control. And you can go to contournext.com forward slash juicebox and learn more about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter you could take your blood glucose meter fate into your own hands and make a decision instead of just being handed whatever's about. The Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter is the most accurate, easiest to use, lovely to hold, brightest, lightest. Brightest, lightest? Actually, it it has the brightest light I've ever used with a meter, and it is very light. It's okay, brightest, lightest blood glucose meter that I've ever used. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Check it out. The meter is a very affordable with or without insurance, but it's possible that you're paying more through your insurance right now for another meter than it would cost you to buy this meter in cash. Even, I mean, don't get me wrong. Your insurance might cover it, but I mean, it's possible right now you're paying more through your insurance for another meter that may not be as accurate, then it would cost you to just buy the Contour Next one in cash. Isn't that crazy? They even have a test strip savings program, which you should look into. This this website's actually got a ton of information. There's a savings program for strips, meters. Just go take a look, contournext.com forward slash juicebox. There's links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Get yourself a blood glucose meter that's easy to carry, easy to use, easy to see at night, End is incredibly accurate. Plus, plus bonus, second chance test strips. So you can go in, hit the blood, not get enough, go back and get more without changing the accuracy or ruining your test strip. Use my link and get the remarkable accuracy of the Contour Next test strips at an affordable price. Contournext.com/box. And when you're out on the internet doing your business like you do, don't forget to check out touchedbytype1.org. They're also on Facebook and Instagram. Go see what they're up to. Is there an immediate feeling of, oh, they're paying more attention to her than us?
1: Yes. I mean, I think that the immediate, immediate was genuine concern, or at least I'd like to think so. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Her room
0: is bigger than mine. This is (laughs) excellent.
1: I I think that there was, um, like when, when she got hospitalized, it was very shocking. I mean, we just literally got told to go straight to the ER. And so I think that there was an, you know, initially there was concern and, but once, once everyone was sort of like, okay, you know, she's going to be okay. This is a big adjustment, but you know, then she started getting gifts in the hospital and, um, you know, she stayed home from school for a week. And so then like, the, what they saw as benefits started. Oh, and she got, eventually she got a freaking iPhone mm. so that we could watch her numbers. You know, I mean, then the like upsides started to show. And, um, I know that for my older one, he, and, and I will say that according to research, this was very typical that my older one tended to internalize and my younger one, the twin tended to externalize which is borne out in research. So the the older one got very quiet and very good, like didn't rough, didn't make waves, didn't complain, didn't ruffle feathers, just sort of got quiet. But he would sometimes come in with some really heartbreaking uh, sentences. Like there was, you know, sh- she was diagnosed in January, his birthday's in March. And he said it, sometime in like February, do you think that, because we would keep saying, you know, this is, that we're not, I know this is taking a lot of attention, but you know, we're not really good at this yet. We're going to get better and then it will not take up so much of our attention. We're, this isn't the new normal yet. And he asked, do you think that this will be, you'll be better at this by my birthday? Because what I want for my birthday is for you to essentially pay attention to me, <laughs> which was a real gut. Oh, punch. oh
0: my god! <laughs> it terrible. was just,
1: it was terrible. Kids. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that broke your heart, then, no?
1: Oh, I know. No, yeah. it was it was like a just a, a full gut punch. And then the younger one really just like kept tabs. He really, he complained a lot. He monitored what presents she was getting and sort of demanded equality, which, I mean, we didn't give him. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you get diabetes, you'll get presents too. Did your um,
0: youngest son have an ERA poster he was wandering around with? He's like, yeah. listen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it felt like it. Um, so he, and so he really sort of externalized, he was very like verbal and, um, you know, kind of like was the squeaky wheel, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, it, both, both are valid, both are fair. Cause it was, it was a big change. Uh, but that's sort of how each of them responded in the immediate aftermath.
0: Have either asked if they're going to get diabetes?
1: Yes. Um, and, and I think at various times have expressed more concern, more or less concern, um, you know. And we and we're honest about you know. And eh, you have like more of a chance, but still not a huge chance. And the good news is we would know what to do a lot better because we we've gotten you know we've gotten the hang of it with with Hannah. So. Um, But there's there's definitely some anxiety there.
0: I have to say, it's interesting because that's the right response. We would know what to do better if it happened to you. It's exactly what I would say. But if I go back a half an hour in our conversation, isn't that like saying to them, don't worry if a house falls on you, it's not as bad?
1: I think it depends on how you say it. I mean, it would definitely, I mean, I'll I'll say, I wouldn't only say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we do not in this house, we complain about diabetes. We do not bright side diabetes. So I think that within that context, I, I, I think they feel okay about talking about, you know, that we would be able to do better, mm-hmm. but we're not telling them to be okay with it. Like we're not saying, you know, just because we can handle it better doesn't mean that you have to feel good about it or, or yeah. like it. Um, and we, what's nice is we sort of externalize diabetes in this house so that we can all be mad at diabetes. We can all dislike diabetes. And that way we're not disliking Hannah. We're not disliking the, you know, the, like the, the extra care or attention that she needs. That's just how, that's just how our lives are. And that's okay. Yeah. But we can all be mad at diabetes for different reasons and at different times. And, and that's okay too.
0: Yeah. Isn't it interesting that you have to walk this kind of tightrope because she's not diabetes, right? Yeah. And we need to keep those things separate. And at the yeah. same time, I've spoken to a lot of adults who feel like you have to embrace it.
1: Yeah, it is such a balance. And I agree with the embracing. So here's yeah. like, so <laughs> one of the main things I talk about as a therapist is acceptance and basically just dropping the struggle against your feelings, against your circumstances, against, you know, all of the things in your life, you don't have to, it doesn't mean that you like it. And it doesn't mean that you're resigned to not changing anything. It just means that you're honest about, you know, what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. And so I do try to layer in that like, look, we're not going to fight diabetes. And and in fact, I have a little bit of a pet peeve with the, like, you know, like her fight is my fight. I agree with the sentiment. Like, certainly, you know, diabetes is mine and hers, but I don't want to fight with diabetes because it's here. It will always be here. Yeah. And it is a, it is, dif- it is a difficult, um, balance to like externalize it to the point that we can all be on the same team and talk about diabetes as something separate, but also accept that diabetes is part of our lives. It is not going away and that we all have diabetes in our family.
0: I think that all these things lead me to be happy about the podcast because it it, it was always my thought that whether you think Her fight is my fight is a rallying cry or you hear it as like, oh, you shouldn't be fighting like that's that's all just the way people think about things like I don't. Absolutely. Right. But the one thing I've always maintained was if it was easier to take care of your blood sugar, all of this crap would be easier. And so, so true, right? Let's get to a point where we understand how to use the insulin so that when we have real human feelings, or we're the Mm -hmm. kinds of people who push down human feelings, or we're whatever we are, at least it's not going to be as difficult and our health isn't one of the issues.
1: 100%. Yeah. And I will say that, like, listening to your podcast was definitely a turning point for us. I started, I was recommended to me about three months in and I started listening to it and immediately turned it off because I was just like, wow, that's too much. (laughs) I'm not ready. (laughs) And then I came back to it about eight months in and sort of went through kind of the main like recommended ones for being bold with insulin. And it, it really was a game changer in terms of tackling our own fear in using insulin appropriately and Mm. more aggressively assertively I should say you can't and it was it was a it was a it was really helpful
0: I'm glad I am very glad you can't force people into being in the place which is why which is why the podcast is is valuable because it's a living document kind of a feeling Mm -hmm. so it's not like you send them to a blog post or one thought and then they hit it and like you did and go oh I'm not ready for this and then Mm -hmm. you walk away from it it's a I don't even know. Like I think of the podcast as, you know, sort of like a warm rolling wave that just sort of keeps moving yeah. forward through my experience with Arden and Arden's experience with diabetes. Yeah. And you know, I like that that, that like stuff fun. sort of just kind of it keeps going. It's always going to keep going. I could see yeah. that twenty years from now I could be doing an episode about Arden's having a baby or yeah. wedding or you know, and yeah. I'm giving myself a lot of credit for being able to stay alive for twenty more years. But um <laughs> But, you know, that kind of uh, I don't see how this narrative stops and and I can see how left behind is a time capsule that one day it could end up being just as valuable to someone in 10 years as it is to someone today.
1: I can see that, too. Yes, I, I think that's great.
0: So I just that's to me, this is a perfect medium for that. And I'm not all that photogenic. So it really (laughs) is kind of perfect. Even better. It's funny. I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm pretty handsome. And then someone takes a picture of me and I'm like, that's not the guy in the mirror. Like, what's going on? So Um,
1: Yeah, welcome to aging, man. That's (laughs) that's just, I think that's just the way it is from here on out.
0: If I stayed far enough away from the camera to be comfortable with it, you'd be like, (laughs) I think someone back there is talking about diabetes. (laughs) 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 But um, But anyway, I just think that it's uh it's interesting to see the kids all have different experiences with it. And at the same time, I don't know that it's very much different than any other experiences they had. It's just sped up, right? Yeah. Like, does that make sense to you? That life's yeah. happening kind of slowly, you don't notice it. And these problems mm-hmm. or difficulties arise and you get more time to deal with them. But this thing just comes in a wash; it's there right away. Yeah,
1: and you can't, you can't like slowly figure it out. You've just got to get on board.
0: No, you're standing there trying to figure out how to parent it. You're you're thinking about how to manage it, like from a technical aspect. You're thinking about the impact on three different children. I'm Mm -hmm. assuming at some point in a quiet moment, you're you're worried about your husband. You you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like he's worried about you. You're worried about yourself. He's worried about himself. Nobody thought this was what was going to happen. You know, it takes away the picture you painted in your head of like, what we'll do is we'll make some babies. Rachel's a therapist. It's great. I have my job. We'll buy a house one day. It'll be good. Like, you know, now all of a sudden everything feels like, whoa, none of that matters right now. Yeah. How do I stop this toast from making my kids blood sugar 300 all day? yeah yep you know and then your other kids like i want to play soccer and you're like i'm trying not to kill your sister leave me alone (laughs)
1: that's so true (laughs)
0: what the hell i don't care if you like soccer all of a sudden (laughs) what do you and then you feel terrible for feeling that way and and blah 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 and everyone has their own experience and their own feeling now here's the question when when a child comes to you you're a trained person right and they ask a question Does your brain go through like the Dewey Decimal System of proper responses and just pull out a card and start reading? Or are you not able to do that? And if you aren't able to do that, how the hell am I supposed to be able to do that?
1: (laughs) Well, I think there's, in my best moments, yes, my brain does that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I, I mean, but there's also a difference between pulling out the card and uh, application of the skills on that card, which Usually go sideways because kids are very unpredictable and. Uh, they have not read the research about what's supposed to be effective.
0: <laughs> and so, the way they look at you, by the way, yeah. makes you feel bad about yourself. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> this kid knows I don't know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. But the good news is that there is a lot, There, all the research suggests that you do not have to be perfect or even near perfect to be a great parent. Good so thing for me. I also keep that in my mind too, is that you just really have to be good enough. It's literally a scientific phrase, good enough parenting. Yeah. And so when a kid comes to me, I do if I'm at my best, I will cycle through some of the things that might be effective and and try to pick a strategy. But the the more important thing is not what strategy you pick, but that you're sending the message that when they come and share something with you, you take it seriously and you refocus your attention on them as soon as you can. If it's not in that moment, you tell them when you can and then follow through on making sure that you're connecting with them then that's actually the more important thing than any one strategy
0: how important is your intent like that you mean well even intent is wrong. very important yeah
1: um they, i think that the message is i care And even if you aren't quite sure how to help them with the specific feeling or situation that they're coming to you with, the more important, you can still send the message that you care and that you'll help, you'll, you know, work with them to help figure it out. And that's, that's really the, the most important message because that one applies to all things.
0: Let me ask you a question. I feel like I notice that people give up on parenting too soon in age for their children. Mm, is mm-hmm. that something you notice with people like they're all like you know they're babies and they're like yeah this is I can do this and you're all intent and you know the kid's 6 and some kid touched them on the playground and you're at the school ready to beat up a 6 year old like you've got all that <laughs> like energy for children and then suddenly they hit an age where they seem like they don't need you anymore and they act like they don't. What it's like 12 That's 13 14 where they disappear to their room for a while or they act like they don't want to be a part of the of the family as much like that like pulling away starts, and people get their feelings hurt, I think. Or yeah. they just think that the kid's like, ah, oh, look. Look how uh, self-sufficient. And then they start like, like I always did want to paint. You, you know what I mean? And then suddenly you're not parenting as harsh. And that's, to me, the exact wrong time to stop paying attention because now they have genitals that they're aware of. And and <laughs> and someone's like, have you tried vaping? And they're like, vaping? Is that like sex? Can we do them both at the same time? Like, you know what I mean? And like suddenly you're. you're- well,
1: your brain has just, you've just demonstrated an anxiety spiral with absolute um, accuracy. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. I and, and I don't feel that way, by the way. Like, I feel like a, I feel like I, I am going to be connected in parenting until it's appropriate not to be. And yeah. I do not allow my children to dissuade me from being a good parent. Much like when you hear me talk about when I was little, um, I had this like I got sick one time and there was this giant pill like people are so much better at making medicine. Now you don't even realize it was this big dry thing it stuck in your throat. And I tried to be like, Oh, I don't want to take it. And before I knew it, my dad's giant fingers were just shoving it down my throat. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. Like it's like nineteen seventy-five. And he's like, Don't care sure. what you think. Here we go. I ain't standing yep. here in the kitchen all day staring at you, crying about this pill, like that kind of feeling. Where now I hear people say like Oh, you know, we moisten the uh, adhesive for 47 (laughs) hours before we pull off the CGM because Billy doesn't like it if it stings. My dad would have just grabbed it with a fist and pulled it off with part of my arm. You you know what I mean? And not to say he was right, but we're we're in a weird time right now with parenting. And yeah, you, you know what I mean? Just in general, can you talk more about that for me?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think that what you said about parents parents getting their feelings hurt is I actually I think that's a really important note. You know, we so kids pulling away about that age or like wanting more independence, wanting more privacy, that's developmentally appropriate and it has nothing to do with the parents. But it can feel really personal when it's your kid and that's okay. Like you're entitled to those feelings. It's okay to have hurt feelings, but to recognize that that doesn't mean that it's about you. That's, it's just a feeling that you have and it's valid and fair, but it, 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 you're, you're, you're kind of centering yourself in a situation that developmentally they're doing what they're supposed to do. They absolutely still need parents and parenting. And the hope is that in like the interactions that you do have with them, that you are being very clear and powerful and sending the message that you are available and, uh, and interested in them whenever they, you know, they feel comfortable with that, mm-hmm. and insisting on certain times. So you can, you are still the parent. You can still set rules. We're like, oh, this is family time. You can moan and groan if you want, but we're all hanging out. And you know, I think that it's really important to to continue to parent with you know focus and intentionality through the entire. I mean, adolescence is it's wild. Like, so they do need parents and they do need um, parenting during that time. So I, I definitely agree with the assessment that that's not when we should be, that's not when we get to take up painting Yeah, that might be around the corner, but it's, it's not, it's not here yet.
0: Rachel, I love you. We easily (laughs) could have been married and enjoying our life together as adults, not having sex. And I think we would have been very happy. And let me tell you why, because Everything you just said, I completely agreed with. And I was about to say, I was like, oh, I hope she goes deeper into this. Let me have this thought in the back of my head in case she stops. But you were, oh, my God, you're so good at this. Congratulations. <laughs> well, thank um, you. Yeah, your kids <laughs> will grow up to be serial killers and monsters probably. But I'm, never, th- <laughs> never. I never mean, know.
1: And I'm going to take no responsibility for that. Oh, hell perfect.
0: no. Listen, life's <laughs> life. I didn't have anything to do with this. But um, I, I, I still, like my son's in college. He's a, a reasonable kid, and 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 there are still times where I'll, I'll say to him, look, he might, he, he might go, look, I'm not interested in your thoughts, and there are times where you have to evaluate and go, okay, you know what? This isn't a hill to die on for me, right? <laughs> it's not that important, but there have been times, and there will be times in the future where I'll say to him, listen to me. I have put the last 21 years of my life and existence into you, and if you think in this moment I'm not going to say something, you're out of your mind. Like, yeah. like I didn't go all this way for you to drop dead now, jackass. Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, so, I, you gonna leave me here by myself with my thoughts? Like, that's not yeah. happening. Um, you know, but, but seriously, you, sometimes you have to go to them and just say, "Look, I hear how you feel. I think that's reasonable. And here's a perspective you don't have yet because you're 30 years younger than me. Please yeah. take five seconds and listen to me. And sometimes you have to." Sometimes you have to take the pill and stick it in their throat and be like, listen, <laughs> I'm not standing here all day with you. You need to swallow this. We're doing this thing right now. It's important. Um,
1: yeah, you know, yeah, and as, as now a, a grown-up, which using the word grown-up to describe myself does not make me feel like a grown-up. That feels like a kid saying I'm a grown-up, <laughs> but I have reflected with my mom quite a bit about how all the advice that I didn't want growing up and into even young adulthood was 100 percent right
0: yeah
1: totally correct and of course it was she's older she knows what she's doing right. but even when it was unwelcome and even when i didn't take it necessarily at the time i can remember it so i think it's important to recognize that you are still an influence you are still a voice and you do have knowledge and experience that will benefit them even if they don't listen to it it doesn't vanish you're still Uh, you're still participating and connecting. And that's so important. And maybe when they're grown up, like I am, they can come to you and say, yeah, I guess you were right that whole time.
0: I just don't want to get, (laughs) I am trying not to get cancer so that my kids can come back to me and tell me I'm right. And then I'm going to drop dead happy. That's all I'm looking for. (laughs) It it really is like, I I just want one little bit of validation at the end. And I don't care when it comes, as long as I can cognitively hear it. Enough right. that I can look him in the face and go, I told you. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but again, but seriously, absolutely. That's impeccable advice. It, it really is. It, it Life is a long game. Parenting is a long game. Diabetes is a long game. If yeah. you think you're going to win today and right. get to sit back on the beach you're, you're, you're misunderstanding life, not just diabetes or parenting.
1: Yeah. Life. I mean, yeah, it's all of this is unknown, unpredictable and, and a long game. And Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, you, you don't always see the, like the fruit of the seeds that you plant. And that's a lot of how I think of parenting is, you know, I might, you know, I might not ever get the, wow, I learned so much from you and you were right the whole time speech. I would be sad if I didn't but that doesn't mean that the seeds that i'm planting now and the connections that i'm making now aren't paying dividends in the future because we're teaching our kids how to be in the world and they're 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 watching us and they're learning and that is something that they will take with them and you know hopefully we you know do good enough parenting that that they're taking Uh, that they're taking a a positive and a healthy worldview with them when they leave the nest.
0: So I'm going to share something with you I've never said on the podcast before. I opened up my reminders on my computer. So uh, Apple, I need you to stay in business for a long time. Mm -hmm. I have a reminder set for Christmas Eve, 2033. Wow. It says, call Arden and see if she enjoys having Christmas pictures of herself. She owes me $100 if she does. This is a bet I made with her when she was nine. I've had that reminder in my computer for eight years already. That's
1: amazing. But does she not want Christmas pictures taken?
0: I was trying to take pictures on Christmas Eve. And she's like, I don't want these. And I said, well, you will when you're older. And she said, no, I won't. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Your commitment to I told you so is amazing. It's, (laughs) it's, It's just that. I, I listen, I don't begrudge a person who would rather sit on the beach their whole life, right? But I am, I have been a person who's been built to have children since I was little. And yeah. it's, you know, my dad leaves when I'm 13. I take care of my little brothers. I see the impact my mom uh, gets from being divorced and being a, and, and this just becomes, you know, I've said it before, but, you know, if I owe my dad anything, he really showed me what I don't want to be. And so it's incredibly important to me. I don't have anything more important than my health, my family's health and my children's future. Like that's yeah. what I want to do. I think if you want to know what I think life's about, I think life is about leaving somebody else better off than you are. I really mm-hmm. don't. I don't think there's some big payoff at the end. Yeah. And and so in a in, in a slog like this, Where if I'm lucky and don't get super sick, I could live 80 some years in that kind of a fight. At the very end, I just want to know that it was not even worth it. Because it's worth it to me no matter what. I want to know that I had an impact on it. Yeah. I think. I don't want to tell her I told you so. I want her to to say I have that picture and I enjoy it. Yeah. And then I Uh, can think like, oh, God, I spent my time well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah.
1: I think of it like ripples. Like I want the ripples of my life to positively impact the people around me and to ripple out and hopefully create new ripples. And I might never see the, the ways that my life has impacted others, but I really hope that, that I am somehow positively impacting people in even very small ways and yeah, I, I agree with you that like, that's how I think of life and where I think the the kind of the satisfaction comes from. Yeah, the,
0: the, that satisfaction comes from your effort in the moment, yeah. not in seeing the fruits of your labor or it's just yeah. not going to work. That's why if for me, I don't know if you realize this, Rachel, but if I ever find a genie lamp. On the beach, washed up in the ocean. I already have my wishes all like set up because I don't want to mess up. Because I know in the moment I'm just going to ask for like the Heather Locklear off the poster when I was a kid and like a car. Like I know I'll get confused. Yeah. So you the first the first wish is uh, no matter what happens, my next wish will definitely come true. (laughs) And then your second wish is unlimited wishes. So you just go like that, and then obviously, right? Yeah. And then the first thing I'd want to do is. Even if I couldn't live forever, which I don't know I would want to or not, I'd want to come back like once every hundred years.
1: I Kate, I have said this so Mm -hmm. many times.
0: Yeah. Just to see, like live here a year, every hundred years, just to see what happens.
1: I just want to see what's up with people. Like, Hey, what have we done? I I want, I have said this so many times that like, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to like follow, like check in on my immediate family because like they're going to be fine. Like, of course I care. And I'm curious. And that would be amazing, but they're going to be great. I'm really curious about like the big picture stuff. Yeah. Like, what are we doing as, as a species? I think that's going to be really interesting.
0: I want an electric car for the same reason I bought a computer when I was 13 years old. Like, I just <laughs> want to see what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to see yeah. how it's different from the thing I already understand. And, sure. and for people, you know, it might be obvious. It's funny as I'm talking, maybe the people listening are like, yeah, well, Scott, this is what the podcast is for people with diabetes. But like, it's not as obvious to me. Um, But I just keep thinking, like, you know, change the way people see insulin, change the way they see success for themselves, change, you know, so that everybody doesn't feel burdened, make people Mm -hmm. who want to be, you know, diabetes practitioners who are going to think about it this way, like, really try to impact the space in an important way. And so when you hear me say, like, share the show so it grows... Like, that is so I can charge money for ads, but that's so that I can keep making the show. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. I love money just like everybody else. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, w- but totally I want to make the podcast bigger so that it reaches more people, so that the ripples yeah. go farther, so that it can yeah. continue to work, like that kind of thing. Like, that's that means a lot to me. Yeah. So I just want to. An amazing do that. vision. It's it I just want people to live a better life. I saw somebody this morning online, and I can say this now because this won't come out for six months, but their their child talked about using insulin inappropriately to hurt themselves six months after a, a diagnosis because the kid doesn't want to have diabetes anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people are gonna feel that way. Yeah. What happens next is what's important. Like you're not Absolutely. gonna stop somebody who's gonna feel that way from feeling that way, but the help you get them next could redirect their lives. And, and yeah. I want that answer to be obvious and available to people for all stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm talking to a person now who's in their thirties. They've had diabetes forever and I've been following them on their, their Dexcom for a while. And I'm just telling you it, it's a, it's just years of managing type one in a different way and now having different tools and not knowing how to let go of the past And Mm -hmm. bring these new ideas into their management. Like, I I just want to, I keep telling the person, like, you have to pre-bullish your meals. Right. Well, that's hard for me. I'm like, I don't care. Like, you want all this other stuff, (laughs) right? Right. But you won't pre-bullish. The pre bolishing is why the other stuff's not coming. Like, either either do it or don't. But don't keep telling me you want it, but you're not willing to do it. And Mm -hmm. it's not her fault. It's, she's, this is ingrained in her. Yeah. you, You know? And so... I'm just trying to imagine that 30 years from now, it's ingrained in people in a different way, and the technology is that much better. And God, maybe there's you know something that makes the whole thing easier or go away or right. whatever. Uh, but until then, I I think about her. Like I think about that woman the same way I think about your two year old when somebody sends me a message and they're like they're like look at my kid's graph, they're two like and I'm like oh God, like I can't let this be like this. This is so simple mm-hmm. to fix. Like so yeah. let's let's I just. I don't know. I have no idea why, but I am, I feel sometimes, uh, responsible for things I'm not responsible for. So, well,
1: but that passion is definitely like the, like that passion is creating the ripples that are impacting people and people are here. I mean, I I think it's a great example of, you know, what we hope to do and be in the world. And And the fact that you have the passion and now the expertise to, to do it and to impact this change, it's, it's wonderful. And that, those, those are the ripples that you're creating.
0: It's great. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I love doing it. And, um, I am, I am. I passionate is absolutely the right word. Like when I see somebody selling these ideas online where they're like, you know, for six months you can get my package. And I'm like, please do not give that person money so they can explain to yeah. you that you need to pre-bolus and your basil has to be right. Like, please don't do yep. that. And yet they do. And people pay them $600,000 right. to to get told something that three episodes of this podcast would be happy to tell you for free. And, so you know, and, and so that's where I'm still very, uh, I'm a very American Thinker about that. I'm 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 a capitalist. I think that I should get my money from someone else, and you should get the information for free,
1: which is amazing for all of us. Because yeah. I definitely was benefiting from the free information.
0: It's a barrier. <laughs> if I imagine you get told to go to a podcast, like you were, you already got there, and you're like, "Wow, this is too much money or too much information. I don't need it right now." Mm-hmm. If it costs money, would you ever come back?
1: That's true. I right. don't know. I probably would have negative feelings associated with
0: yeah. it. And so yeah. I, I had a person contact me recently and they're like, you know, your podcast is big enough. You should have a Patreon. And I was like, what? She goes, people would be happy to give you money for making the podcast. I was like, I make money for making the podcast. And mm-hmm. she goes, well, how many listeners do you have? And I told her how many the estimate is. And she said, can you imagine if 10% of those people sent you $5 a month? And I went, ooh, and then, <laughs> I can't. I never did before. And then I was like, that wouldn't be a bad thing would it and she goes what would you do with it i said well i would probably expand and i and i started thinking about how i would make the podcast better and how i could help the podcast reach more people and i thought should i do that like like do you know what i mean and i'm stuck in that feeling because she's not wrong it would generate funds and the funds would go a long way towards doing stuff for the show mm-hmm. and and it's at the same time I can't, like, I'm not of that generation. Like, it feels like I'd be making money for not doing anything, for being me. And that doesn't seem right. Well,
1: the therapist in me has lots of follow-ups, but
0: I won't. Do you have five five minutes? Feel free to pick me apart.
1: (laughs) Well, I just, um, I am curious about what, like, what it means to you to be getting money from, like, what is that, what is the story that you're telling about, why about getting money from people who enjoy the podcast?
0: Well, I mean, I'm already making a reasonable amount of money from making the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I really don't want to take money from people so they can learn how to be healthy. I wouldn't want somebody to have put their hand out to me and it said, I can explain this to you for $5. And I realized that the podcast wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, a, I think I'm right to say that I'm wrong about this. I think it wouldn't be a big deal if people who wanted to send a couple of dollars a month were able to do that.
1: Well, because you're not you're not charging. It's not a paywall. Right. It's not so I think that the the hang up is not necessarily um it's not necessarily in that it like changes your sense of values or what you know your vision is for the podcast, but there's something that you're there's a story you're telling about what it would mean that I think is the hang up.
0: Yeah. And it's not real.
1: It's not real. I mean, we all tell stories to ourselves. That's, that's what we do. And, and I don't, I don't think it's useful to argue with stories either. You can see them and notice them and be curious about them, but then also make some space for other stories. Like another story in this case might be, Hey, somebody might really feel compelled to want to offer money as a thank you, not because you're charging and not because you expect it, but to say, Hey, this has been an invaluable resource for my family, and I want to say thank you. And it's, you know, just a way that you're making that option available. That's yeah. another story, and yeah. neither one is more true. It's just recognizing that it's this is more about the meaning that you're making of the situation than necessarily the facts involved with this choice.
0: You're uh, you, listen. You're right because that already happens. Yeah, like people already send me like gifts. Yeah. and I'm I'm like, oh, I'm happy the podcast helps you thank you and yeah. you know and you're right. It's something about me saying it out loud that feels wrong to me
1: right. like saying
0: hey, I have a thing and you could support be- because I know what I would do like I'd be happy to like like shut off the recording and tell you like some of the things that I've got going on right now that would be a lot easier with with some more money. you, you know what I mean so yeah all right so
1: make some make some room for other stories and see see how that feels.
0: All right, Rachel. I'll think about it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Hold on one second. I appreciate you doing this. By the way, did we talk about everything you want to talk about? By the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I could get real clinical and talk about some of the things that siblings might experience, but I feel like, I feel like we've done more just having a casual conversation.
0: So do I. That's my magic, by the way. I'm only good at a few <laughs> things. Goes. This is one of them. I want to thank Rachel for coming on the program and having this wonderful conversation with me. I'd also like to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter and remind you to go to contournext.com forward slash juicebox. If you want to look in the show notes of your podcast player, there's a link there, or I keep the links at juiceboxpodcast.com. There's even a link to Touched by Type 1 in those exact places, or you can just type it into your browser, touchedbytype1.org. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.